everybody. Welcome to this month's iTunes Empowerment Session. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton, along with Jim Morris. Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? Hey, Scott, doing awesome. Thanks. Wonderful. So, uh, each month we get together, we talk a little bit about uh, what's happening in the world of Apple and iTunes and iPods and iPhones and other things to do with uh, that type of talking and making money with with your voice, which is pretty cool when you think about it. And we also answer any questions. So, Jim, if somebody had questions, where would they send them to? Okay, well, if they're on the web simulcast, and even if they're called in on the line right now, they should be on the web simulcast. And right on that page, there is a form below with their name, city, and their question they want to submit. Just go ahead and submit your question there. And if you want to be on the call live, just make sure to type live chat in all caps right before your question. We'll see it here in our web interface here in the background, and your question will be queued up, and we'll know you want to be on live. You'll need to be be sure, though, however, to be uh, called, dialed in on the number that's on the web page there. There's two different numbers. There's a main number and a backup number. Dial into that so that you can speak live. Otherwise, you won't be able to. You'll only be able to hear our answer on the web simulcast, and that is in a 19-second delay. So that's what you need to do in order to interface or communicate with us at first. And then once we have your question, we'll queue them up. We'll even just open up the phones live a little later on too. Awesome, awesome. All right. So I think what we should do is just start with a couple of the questions that we've got. Absolutely. All right. So Joyce from Ottawa sent us in a question. She says, I want to make an iPhone app with audio, uh, music, and spoken word, video, and text. The subject will be loving relationships. Well, good for you, Joyce. I think we need more loving relationships. I don't have a clue where to start. Is this something we will be discussing in iTunes Exposed? I've done some research in the uh, iPhone app section, and I think this would go over well. So, yeah, one of the where you always start, in my opinion, is checking out uh, the competition. Is there somebody doing this? So it sounds like you've done that, and that would be involved going to the iTunes iPhone app store, which is in iTunes, and mm-hmm. checking and seeing what sort of apps are out there. And um, it's, if there's you know a few there, that's usually a good thing because um, typically if there's no one doing it, it means probably a whole bunch of people tried it. Although in this particular case with the app store only being open a year, it's possible you thought of something that nobody else had thought of uh, and uh, and go for it. But I happen to know because of my own interests that in uh, in the uh, area of meditation, spoken words, yoga, those sort of things, there's there's a, f- a couple apps out there already, and I think that there's definitely a large demand for that that sort of thing. So uh, that's obviously where I would start is checking out the competition, checking out what's already in the iPhone uh, app store, and then if, and then deciding if you want to go for it or not. And then what you want to do from there is they, there is a developer section. There's always, like, for the Skype community, there's a developer section. And and that's the next the next step after that. If you want to decide, you're going to have to then definitely decide whether you're going to want to uh, out, start over at Elance for uh, bidding on a project. But before you even get to that part, what you really need to do is, um, 
comes from my software background experience and uh, developing NicheBot and a number of other uh, software applications. But it really, before you even get to that stage where you want to uh, take a bid yeah. or try to find a developer and try to keep this idea on the down low so that you're not really revealing it out in the open because most anyone out in uh, the Elance community or uh, all those others, you, they, they can see what you're bidding on and other developers can see what you're bidding on. And some of those developers could be Internet marketers as well. So what you want to do, though, is first spec out your project completely. I mean, other than just having a roundabout idea, you want to have complete finite uh, finite details about the entire project, and I mean specking it out to the degree of knowing if you're, you know, is there going, how many messages will show a day, or whatever the app is going to do, because what's going to end up happening is the more generic and the more vague that your detailed description is that you give to someone who's going to potentially uh, code this application, the more vague you are, the more costs you could incur later on down the line because they go, oh, well, I didn't plan that into mm -hmm. the project, and that's going to cost you another couple thousand dollars. So if you don't want to be hit blindsided, what you want to do is first completely, and I mean with detailed precision, spec out your project by listing what it does exactly. Yep. What exactly does this whole application do, and how exactly is it going to run? Because the more specific you can be, it's going to be more helpful to get a better, clear, clearer picture on the price of building that application, and it's going to be clear on how it needs to be built by the developer itself. And so how it looks like when it's actually done. Exactly. And you want to start thinking about, like, your user interface. What is your user interface going to look like? Those are the kinds of things you want to start thinking about if you want to, if you believe that your idea is viable. Yeah. So first step is you've got to go, uh, do your competition search. Is it viable, right? And that was your first suggestion, Scott. And then yeah. once you decide it's viable, then you want to, before you even approach anyone, um, you want to make sure to spec it out in complete detail. What does this thing do from A to Z? Yeah. And then once you have that, what I would recommend is possibly go around looking for a developer on the developer. There should be a developer forum section in the uh, iPhone apps uh, area. There, There's always one there. And then what you can do is try to contact some uh, active developers, I would actually just look and purvey, you know, and just survey the whole landscape for a couple of days, and then look at potential developers that are communicating on the board and contact them in private message. Now, it's going to take you signing up for a ac user account, a forum account at these developer communities, and don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so what I would suggest, Joyce, is you have an idea and then I would just get a bunch of 11 by 8 sheets of paper and I would start drawing out on that the flow and what sort of information people want. And like Jim said, the, the uh, user interface, okay, so 
if are you going to have one that's music and spoken words, one that's video and one that's music, no video, text with music, text with video. Um, you know, so you've, you've already given us like four different parameters with the audio, music, spoken word, video, and text. So how do those co- combine, and how do you plan on combining them? Are you going to give new um, a new one a day, a new one a week, uh, just one? You know, those are all different questions that you've got to go. And, and then if, how are you going to get the information into the into the app? Are you going to like do a podcast and then just have it update every time the podcast updates? Uh, those sorts of things, and then. But and then once you've kind of written it out on paper and and uh, kind of clear get a, get a clear idea of it, and I, I I recommend that because that's how I am. I tend to be visual and I'll write it out on paper. If you know how to use something like Photoshop, then what I would do is I would go on the net and I would get a, a picture of the iPhone, and then <laughs> and then I would kind of plunk in on it. You know, okay, icons here. You know, find a little icon and paste it in, and then a little picture for the music or whatever. So that if you've got different, you can almost make your own screenshots for the different aspects of your uh, of your project. And so you you could end up with six or seven screenshots of the you know the Apple iPhone with this is what it looks like, right? Now, of course. I'm not a you know a good graphic designer. You're probably not a good graphic designer, but you can then go to the programmer and say, "This is an idea of how I want the graphics to look," and I'd really appreciate it if you would you know doll up the graphics as well, because usually uh, software designers they have to look at the user interface and that sort of stuff. And then, but at least at that point, you've got something where you can show them and talk about each picture, and it kind of makes sense to the guy. He's the guy that understands how it works in the background. You just want to know what it looks like when someone has your app uh, on their iPhone. One thing I wanted to interject, Scott, is that you only become as good a designer, and I'm not talking about the graphics that you're actually going to plunker together, but you only become as good a designer of your user interface as the number of different applications that you study on the iPhone. It's just like, I think, doing good web copy, right? You mm-hmm. only become as good as the number of pieces of web copy that you actually review and understand yeah. why it's written the way it's written, right? Yeah. So if you look and go study, take, you know, two, three hours. I always say this is like the most valuable, ingenious, insightful, eye-opening experience is not to, not to be stuck within a vacuum, but go and take four hours and look at a bunch of different apps. I didn't say go out buy apps. I said go study them. Mm-hmm. So you go study them, and you literally you get these ideas, and you can see, yeah, I, I believe, uh, I think they have a most popular section in the yep. iPhone apps, and you can go see which ones are the most popular and why they're the most popular. That's a great point. And also, you don't need to have an iPhone and download an app, whether it's a paid app or a free app, free app, because most of them put screenshots on the app page. So you just click a little button, go from screenshot to screenshot to screenshot, and you can see you know, how that particular app works and the different features that they put in the app. I've looked at a few, like for golf, for example. There's one that is like a, a golf card, so you can put you know your your scores in and stuff. Right. And then it's got it's got other you know there's ones that are like GPSs and will tell you how far you are to the pin and you know they That's get more so and more cool. sophisticated. But you know you you just have to look at the different apps on the iTunes iPhone App Store 
and look at the different uh, page, I guess you'd call it pages or screenshots of their app to get a real good feel for how, how it works. And you have to understand, too, that you're talking about something that's like four inches by three inches or something like two right. inches. You don't have much you know, going there. You don't have a lot of space, which, of course, is why something like audio, music, spoken word, a little video and text, you know, on a subject like loving relationships is perfect. Is, you know, I'm not going to say it's well, I think it's perfect. It's a it's a great project, Joyce, in my opinion, because that's something that you know people can download it. They can listen to it on their iPhone, and uh, if there's a little interaction or whatever, then that's that's really cool. The other thing I was going to say about it is I have been interviewing some designers and programmers for iPhone apps, uh, simply because you know, I've got a couple ideas myself, and so um, in, probably in a month or two we'll be. Uh, having some people that we can recommend to do uh, to do work and and probably do work at a better price than you would you would get out on the open market simply because there's not a lot of people right now that are are uh, learn, that have learned how to do the iPhone apps and like anything else when there's low supply there's and high demand there's high prices and I think you know some of these apps are being are very very expensive and we're we're going to see if we can't figure out a way to get the price down. Well, I think that comes with any territory of anything that there's always like they try there's a it's like the VCR that came out when it first came out like in the early 80s it was like $2300 no one could really afford it. So they're just trying to high end the market, right? Yeah. So that's just awesome that you know the prices can be made available at sort of like the you know, the small business type scale, you know? Mm-hmm. You That's know? right. That's the goal so is, anyway. you know, what, how much would it cost to do an average website? Well, we want to we want to get to the point where that's about the cost for doing an iPhone app. And uh, actually there's a, um, a fellow who's been doing a few. He did one called the iFart app. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, and there was a, a competitor that had, I guess, was out first, and they're going to uh, they're going to court over, you know, did you take my idea or steal my idea, sort of thing. And and one of the, uh, I guess, Comedy Central TV programs decided they wanted to interview both of them, and, and because it's about eye farts, right? So how funny could that be? And uh, so the guy who was uh, suing the other guy called. I mean, they both got on the phone together and said, "Look, these guys want to do." you know, an interview of you and me because we're going to court and litigating on this issue and what do you think? And he said, Well, all any publicity is good publicity. So Absolutely. And yeah, he said, but plus it's, we're talking about farts, right? <laughs> so so they had a pretty good uh well, pretty good perfect for Comedy Central. That's right, that's right. Uh, so anyway, the uh that's where we're going with that, and uh, so Joyce, what I would suggest is is uh, do a little bit more research, like Jim had suggested. Get in there, see what uh, what screenshots other people have done, and how they've gone about doing it. And don't just focus on the you know the personal relationship ones. Look at say the golf or the tennis or the travel or or business or music even, and because oftentimes people in some areas will have a really good idea and. And you can use that. You can adjust it to, to to suit your needs, and then work out a flow chart of how you want it all to go. And then, if you can do some screenshots, great. And then uh, get a hold of Jim or I, put a support uh, 
uh, ticket in and uh, let us know, like, you know what, I've got the project. It's, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with how it's, how it's looking. And then we'll see if we can't uh, line you up with one of the programmers that we're talking to and, and, uh, and go from there, see if that's yep. a fit, right, for you. Yep. Well, cool. and the, one of the other things I think uh, you were telling me about, Scott, was that the reason that these developers are able to make the price so low is because they've created sort of like an overarching, you know, template architecture that makes it a lot easier to create these faster instead of That's having right. to repro reprogram the whole thing. Yeah, if you had to start from scratch, it could take three or four months for the programmer to write your program if that was basically all he was doing. Right. And what we want to do is create certain templates where we just have to change a little bit and and um, and, and you're away to the races. So yep, yep, yep. kind of like a templated website where you just have to go, or a blog, right, like a WordPress blog. You install the blog, and then you can decide on a theme, and then you start putting your information features, in. Features, yeah. It's yours, whereas, you know, like four or five years ago, if you wanted to have a WordPress blog like they've got now, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of dollars you'd be spending on the programming to be able to do it. It's just Right, amazing. and now it's like you have these whole plethora of all these plugins you can choose from. Yeah, all free. Yep. So, anyway, great question, yep. Joyce. Thank you very much. So Worth from Kona, Hawaii, uh, sent in a follow-up question. So hi, Scott and Jim. Just wanted to follow up with my question from last time on how I would add paid premium video content to iTunes to sell alongside my audios. Uh, you said during the last call that you thought you'd have an answer within a few days. It hasn't been that long since you recorded the last call as I typed this, but I thought I'd submit the question now so there is no chance I'd forget to ask later. Even if you've already answered this question by the time the August call happens, I'm sure no one would mind a recap or any additional information you might have by the time you're reading this during the call. Thanks, Worth. Well, th thanks for uh, bringing that up again, Worth, because uh, I I'm the same way. I've got a lot of things kind of in the plate and or juggling, and every once in a while I forget one. And I've talked to all of the people that we talked to in iTunes Exposed, and they've all said uh, there's no video um, like Route. we want to do. And uh, I guess... One of the things that we have to keep in mind when we're we're doing this is that the kind of the spoken word, the educational side of iTunes, is it's becoming more and more important. But it's still the baby brother or sister to the music industry. So, uh, getting a two-minute, three-minute music video on iTunes is no problem. Uh, getting a two or three-minute, or ten-minute, or fifty-minute Video on iTunes is uh, is is a problem. They just haven't. Uh, it's not that they can't do it. It's just they haven't put any process in place to allow anybody to do it. And um, the music videos, of course, that are on iTunes, I believe, or you can. I was going to say I believe you can watch them for free, but that may not be the case. Um, so I, I this believe point, this has to do a lot with control, possibly. Mm hmm. That they don't want to give. You know, uh, they don't want to give the keys to uh, the distributors just yet, or they just haven't built the technology yet to accept video because we're talking about a much larger size of product. I mean, look at yeah. the video that I submitted a couple days ago to iTunes 
um, on a, on the keyword research secrets. The audio was 50. That was an audio that was 50 megabytes. Okay, if it was a video of you and I on video, and in, if we're talking even high definition video, we're talking like 300, 400 megabytes. That's right. That's nuts, and that takes a lot of processing. And if the you know, so that beefs up the thing. But see, this is much like the same thing that I have to go through on NicheBot, which is if Google doesn't have or Google has something broken on their API, which is an automated programming interface that NicheBot taps into to get its, re get, get its results, and if something's messed up on Google's end, we have no control over that regardless of how well that Google external keyword tool works on Google's own web page, because they're going to make sure that thing works no matter what. That's right. But it, since we're using a backdoor like an API, if, Google's, if Google hasn't updated their stuff or they don't have the capability, we can't do anything about it. We can't create that ability until Google does. Yeah. So it's almost yeah. like waking, waiting for the 600-pound gorilla to move. It really is. And uh, they're selling TV shows. They're selling movies. So I think it'll, it's just a matter of time before someone says, you know what, this uh, spoken word category, there's lots of people that have videos that they want to sell, and we should be opening it up for them to do that. But at this point, they they haven't done that, and I don't know if they're uh, – if it's, and I really suspect that it's because it's it's really the you know the kind of little sister when Sony calls you know them sure they take the phone call and listen to them but when uh, when I call they they're not that keen <laughs> at this point to to hear what I have to say because I'm not as big as Sony right so right that's, well you, yeah that's I, so I think that's kind of the issue so if you have video that uh, that you want to sell then what I would recommend is that you you put audios up and uh, and upsell them to the videos and sell the videos on your website. And I think if you're capable of doing the videos, then you're certainly capable of doing good audios that would be of good quality that uh, that yep. could attract a good a good group of people on on iTunes. And by doing that, you're going to be paying about thirty percent to to iTunes for distribution costs and. Uh, zero percent for the sales of your videos so i think that's kind of a that would be kind of my plan yeah i mean and and you want to make sure definitely to make sure to obviously lace your website url all over the audio towards the middle and the back end or just the back end but make it very clear where to find other products of yours. And what I would do to sell video, because the video is bandwidth. And so I'm sure, you know, again, all this stuff is, it, it increases the storage of things and iTunes, and I'm sure that's why they're just wanting to deal with probably the big people right now. But what mm -hmm. you can do is sell video from your site, make sure to have a protected uh, protected membership type script, like I use a member, and so not everyone can get in and download the video or what have you. 
but I would also I would upload the video to like an Amazon S3 account because yeah, don't have it on your own server. Don't do not have it on your own server because if you have too many people downloading it at once, it slows down your your server and you're going to pay a lot more in bandwidth charges. I can tell you personally from Amazon, it's way more worth to uh, have an Amazon S3 account. It's cheaper. There's no main, no maintenance costs or anything. You're just being billed for how much is being transferred. There's no base charge or anything. Yeah, and you never have to worry about the server being down. You never have to worry about if a thousand people went all at once and that would crash your server. If a thousand people all go to the download it from Amazon uh, S3, they have this cloud technology that you were telling me about, Jim, that moves the load around through a number of servers so that the, everybody right. is getting good, quick uh, downloads. Downloads, And that's one of the reasons why we set up my podcast world the way we did, whereas right. I kept noticing that everyone was using their own servers and they were always getting bogged down because there'd be a ton of people downloading uh, audio and video files at the same time there was a ton of people uploading and it just slowed it down to a crawl. So the ideal thing is to have it being uploaded and downloaded from some server way somewhere else, <laughs> away from your server so that you can have people asking for information or wanting to upload, and it goes through your your interface, but it it's actually occurring somewhere else, so you get that right. fast action. Yep, you're keeping you're keeping the the server open for doing business rather than being cluttered with the workhorse. Yep, exactly. Cool. Okay, so thanks, Worth. Appreciate that, and uh, let us know what you end up doing. And uh, and how it's going, and we'll keep an eye out for any updates when it comes to actually being able to sell videos through iTunes, because I'm sure that's something that we'll be able to do soon. Yep. Okay, so the, the next thing I wanted to do is just take a few minutes and uh, tell you about some of the things that are going on in the world of um, Apple and iPods and iPhones and nice. iTunes that I think uh, are going to. Uh, create more opportunities for us or uh, just expand on the opportunity that I see using the uh, iTunes and the iPhone uh, to help expand your business. And the first thing is is kind of a cool thing that has, okay, nothing to do with Apple or anything else, but they have developed at the Swinburne University of Technology in Australia a new DVD. It's a giant 1.6 terabytes of information. It is the equivalent of 300 DVDs all on a single disc. <laughs> so just when you thought, uh, you know, it couldn't get any bigger, it just got 300 times bigger. And, uh, and that's, I think it's an example of how the technology is I'm not going to go into how, how this thing works. The, the article explains it fairly fairly well. But that you know we have this DVD and then we have a double layer DVD and and it's just like wow like we get all this stuff on this disc right now and we can get 300 equivalent of that 300 DVDs on a disc and I think that we're going to see continue to see this increase in storage capacity in, increase in bandwidth ability 
I think probably in two or three years our our internets are going to be the speeds will be so fast that it'll be almost instantaneous. And right now, sometimes like I'm at my father's place, and his internet connection compared to mine is like brutally slow, even though it's a fast internet. And, but I think we're going to be seeing these uh, this continuation. I keep wondering where's the glass ceiling, right? You know, like mm-hmm. where are we going to say, okay, this is as fast as we can go. This is the speed of light, right? <laughs> and and you know, physics physicists and stuff are telling us the speed of light isn't as fast as you can go, and that there's instantaneous communication across the universe, sort of thing and stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, anyway, I just was totally it's blown away. Yep. Yeah, a D- and a some DVD. of the things. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say a DVD that holds 300 DVDs, like, blew That's my mind. Crazy. That's crazy. And the other thing is, is one of the things we also have to be really, really aware of too is that nowadays, um, with the iPhone and with smartphones and all that sort of thing. They are, uh, there's now, you know, I mean, you can advertise AdWords on your, on the iPhone. I mean, this oh. is one of the options. I just did uh, a recent webinar um, just the other day with Adrian, and we were talking about pay-per-click stuff and how to set it up from A to Z. And basically, I mean, she, one of the things, the biggest things that's really on the horizon and really untapped is the iPhone market because, People are doing stuff more on their phone. They're doing searches. And so the advertisers that know how to capitalize on this market, those people that know, I mean, shoot, I think I think I showed you this not, not too long ago. I mean, there are actually, like, certain ads that pop up on YouTube on certain videos that yes. take you straight to, straight to iTunes to purchase a, a song. Yeah, in fact, I saw one, clicked on it, it took me straight to the page to buy the iFart iPhone app. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because he had a video of how it worked, and then at the bottom it was click here to go to the page. So I thought, no. and I clicked and it went. And in Google Analytics now, one of the categories for where did the where did the visitor come from is iPhone. Nice. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I'm looking down at this thing and I thought, oh iPhone. <laughs> so Google can track that you're coming to that someone came to your site through the iPhone. Just amazing. So really, we are seeing the separation of uh, church and state, or should I say, the separation of computers and the internet. And uh, it, there are a lot of different ways for people to get get information from the internet, not just on the computer, and uh, you, everyone on this call and everyone listening to this later, uh, you're on the cutting edge. You are where we were in 1992 and 93 when people were stock talking about, like, what's an w- email, what is a, a website. And uh, it's going to just – and we know it's going to be massive because already there's been a billion apps downloaded uh, from the iTunes App Store. There's been over 5 billion digital downloads from iTunes. And I have no idea, you know, where Amazon or any of the other uh, alternatives to the iPhone, uh, well, how many they've sold. But we're talking a massive market that's being really underserved when it comes to education so and entertainment. So, 
Oh yeah, and I saw some of these uh some of the iPhone apps. I mean, they are right along in the line of, you know, instant instant gratification products like um you know, you can download you're in Paris and you want to have a map of the city. Yeah. You can download that so you know, you know, what uh, you know, what's their subway system called? The Louvre? What is it? The Louvre? Or I I can't remember right off the top, but Anyway, so you, you you literally have like at your fingertips, boom! You can and there's little uh, pop-ups you can do in the application that show you a video or give you an audio or what have you. So um, that tells you, I mean, how viable stuff is. If people are in in the app section, they're also going to be in the store section where That's right. they're looking up audios and stuff, uh, looking up how-to stuff, looking up city tour stuff, that sort of thing. So, Right. And there's a whole new section of iTunes, that, and I meant to mention this earlier, mm-hmm. which is totally focused on education, and it's called iTunes U for university. So you can go there and you can listen to lectures by professors at Yale and Harvard and Stanford and uh, Cornell and all sorts of, of other universities as well, uh, because the What's happening at the university level is, you know, hey, I missed uh, I missed the lecture today because of I don't know I was sick or whatever. So they're recording these lectures and they're podcasting them so their students can can uh, can get them. So what the iTunes uh, people are doing is they're talking to the university and saying, look, let's make some of your information available, whatever you want, to the public. So all of a sudden I'm able to to sit in and listen in on. Uh, university professors talking about whatever you know physics math science arts whatever it hap- whatever it happens to be and i think long term this is going to have a massive impact and one of the reasons why i think apple is doing it because you've got however many millions of people graduating from university every year and those people are now in the habit of tuning in to the professor and listening to the podcast so they're going to want to continue doing that when they get out of university, and they're also when they decide listeners. they're creating listeners and say it so all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I want to know more about uh, you know Shakespeare stuff. Well, let's just go to uh, to Yale and and listen to what the Shakespearean prof has to say. Oh, okay, and th- and they know it right, and they're used to it, and so. What, what's going to happen is, well, okay, now I listen to Shakespeare. I want to know, you know, how I can uh, manage people better or how I can start a business of my own. Or, and they're going to be going to the iTunes, to iTunes and doing a search on that, and they're going to come up with your podcast. You're going to come up with your material, your educational material, and uh, and say, oh, this is great. You know, here's 10 bucks, here's 20 bucks, here's 50 bucks, whatever. I'm buying it. And uh, all those people are funneling in. And it's really diverting those people from, uh, you know, Microsoft. I mean, really think about the PC, Microsoft versus Apple and the iPhone and the Apple operating system, right? So they're just kind of funneling them away from uh, from Microsoft, in my opinion. So now the iPhone is a closed system. And that what that means is, is that uh, if you make an iPhone app and it's not accepted in the iPhone store, that nobody you cannot download it somewhere else and put it on, unless you do what's called jailbreaking, and that is uh, 
basically a little hack on your iPhone which opens it up. I now obviously Apple doesn't like it and everything else, but there is a iPhone store for rejected apps and it's called uh Cydia, C Y D I A. And uh you know, so basically what's happened is iPhone developers have developed apps, they were rejected by Apple and they said, Well, we're not happy about that and so Cydia started up and they accepted these these apps. Now of course you have to uh, fiddle around with your iPhone and stuff like that. And I'm not suggesting that you do. I'm just telling you this is what's happening. And to me this is the beginning of another movement, right? We had this problem with with uh, audios and videos, music audios where everyone was trying to kind of keep control and Apple and Microsoft and these other people were putting things into the MP3 so it would only play on iTunes or or your iPod or it would only play here or you could only play twice or all these different trying to stop this flood, really. I mean, it's a tidal wave, right? So, of course, Apple saying, no, you know, we want to have control over what's on the iPhone, right? And, of course, the developers are all saying, well, why should you have control over that? We've developed it. It's good. Whether you like it or not, there's people that do like it. So we're seeing now these sites popping up where you are you can basically go get an app for your iPhone that I, Apple doesn't necessarily approve of have, you having, right? So recently they've had 470,000 people uh, visiting their uh, Cedia store. So it's like, holy smokes, right? And uh, uh, so anyway, I'm just I'm just saying that you know Apple's kind of got this wall around the iPhone, and I think you know Google with its Android is probably in rim with its BlackBerry. They're probably all trying to put this wall around what can and cannot be done with uh, with their phones, and the problem is is that they've opened the Pandora's box. They've said to people, here's how you program, uh, pro- write program software that will work on our devices. So it's kind of like the guy that made the computer and we made you know, the Windows operating system, and now it's like we have web pages, and, well, you can't tell me what to put on this web page. I'm going to do all this really cool stuff, and whether you like it or not. And an example of a banned app, by the way, is Google Voice, right? The, the Google came out with this uh, iPhone app that would run Google Voice on the iPhone. Well, of course, you know, Apple doesn't want that because that means you can use the iPhone to talk to whoever you want uh, through Google Voice, which is really free, <laughs> and AT&T is going to be cut out of the loop, right? Yep, yep. So uh, anyway, it's we're going to be seeing more and more, uh, I think, more and more talent going and being used on the iPod Touch, the iPod, uh, or the iPhone. And uh, I think at one point Apple is going to have to just throw up their arms and say, you know what, we've created something that we really can't control, which, again, is great for us because it just opens up the doors for all sorts of creative things to occur on that device. And, uh, and I think that's really neat. Well, yeah, to show kind of Apple's, you know, protection, their protectivity, one one of the things I found really interesting, and this is a side note, is that 
when the first iPhone came out, there was some site that dissected it, and they noted, and you know, most manufacturers or most, most uh, you know, companies that create products and, you know, get the parts from different companies, well, the touchscreen on the Apple, it's so secretive, there was no markings, no etchings, no computer company, no other company, so they obviously wanted to protect the, you know, and everything, this is all about being at the edge of technology and being at the head of it. Right. And there was absolutely no no identifi- identifying mark for you to be able to even go to the supplier to say, I'd like these touch screens that were put into the iPhone, right? So, um, show, so to show another side of uh, Apple's protectiveness, uh, you know, just recently, uh, CEO of Google, Larry Schmidt, left the chair. He has a chair seat on uh, the iTunes um, chair chairboard. Okay, and so he left as a member of the chair to, on iTunes on Apple. Because um, he, they they say he resigned, but the whole tone of it is that I think it was made clear to Google and their CEO that because they announced a, an operating system, which was Chrome, right, Chrome operating system that Google's now going to be launching that competes with Microsoft. Right. And because it interacts with their Android phone, Apple kind of felt like that was encroaching on their territory. And obviously, for Larry Schmidt, Google's CEO, to be on the board and to know insider stuff that's going on is obviously not that advantageous to Apple. Right. It could actually be a conflict of interest. Well, that's what they said it was, basically. And that's why he just kind of pleasantly resigned is what the press said. But we know he was probably forced, you know, to leave. Yeah, they had a friendly yeah. conversation and showed him yeah. the door. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, so so I think you're right. I think it's going to eventually, because I think, you know, a lot of people on the web are very open source minded. So I think you're right. And the developer community is about using open source. And, in fact, that's what makes Google so very inviting to a lot of developers is they say, here's the source. Run it on your server. We don't care. Yeah. Be- well, no, they, they're, they're literally giving you, you know, the open code for everything. Google wants you to use everything and tie everything into them. Yeah. So it's a totally different mentality versus Apple that's very close. They keep this on a desktop application, that sort of thing. Let me go ahead and refresh and see if we have any additional questions on the line. No, it doesn't look like we do. Okay, so, so I've got uh, two more form. things I want to quickly cover. Okay, go for it. And uh, when they came out with the latest iPhone a uh, month or so ago, it basically was 3.6 times faster than the previous version of the iPhone, and uh, it was able to run more... You had a more sophisticated operating system, so it was able to run more sophisticated uh, programs. Very soon, I believe, it will be able to run simultaneous programs. I don't believe it can at this time. Hmm. But they've been looking at, we're now getting close to September, and they 
in September is when they come out with the new iPods. And there's two things that I believe we're going to be seeing in the higher-end iPods in the next version that is going to have potentially huge ramifications. Uh, one is it's going to have, a, like the iPod Touch is going to have a camera, and it could even be a video camera, or camera and a video camera. They've ordered oh, yeah. hundreds of thousands of uh, of these cameras and lenses and everything else, the uh, the types of, of uh, uh, cases that are coming are coming with a hole where obviously it should be a camera. And so if you've got a flip cam, they're saying this could be the killer you know, for, uh, the, of the whole flip cam industry. Certainly the low-end digital video camera market, the low-end digital camera market, uh, right. if you can you know, spend two or 300 bucks and get a, an iPod where you can have like you know, 3 million songs and 500,000 pictures and 45 homemade videos uh, that you can then share because the iPod Touch has an interconnection, internet connection now. So right. what I think potentially could be happening is, is you could get an iPod Touch. It has an internet connection. You could be taking pictures, sending them to your friends, taking videos, sending them to your friends, and getting a either a Google Voice app on there if if, uh, if Apple right. would ever let you. But there's also a Skype app that's, that you could get. Uh, right. Or if you can just... Uh, surf the internet then you would be able to probably access skype so i'm thinking that the i now the problem is is up until now there's been no microphone for the ipod touch however the uh, the latest the newest ones looks like they're going to have a, a microphone if you get an apple headset with buds and it has, there are certain models that come with a microphone that microphone will work which makes sense if you've got a video camera wouldn't it have a microphone? I mean, you're not going to take videos that are silent, right? No, no, no. no. So once there's that mic, and particularly if you can do it with a headset, because who wants to have everybody listening to your conversation, right? And you were used to using headsets anyway. But if you have a headset with a mic, I believe that you're going to be able to pop into Starbucks and make a phone call on your iPod iTouch, not your iPhone, and uh, have a conversation with people either through... Um, things like Skype or Google Voice or Yahoo Messenger or, or, you know, any one of these things. I don't see how they can get away from it, right? Which basically means that what's the point of having a home phone, <laughs> you know? Pretty much. I, I mean, yeah, and basically everything you're discussing with the iTouch, iPod Touch, is going to be basically everything except not having the it gutted from having a phone basically yeah everything left the phone so that's right but it'll have but it'll have internet connectivity so you can literally you could send email you can send you know i'm sure you could probably find a way to send text messages too or get i'm sure there are online yeah. text messaging services Yep, and yep, so yep. skype has that as well by the way they just i don't know if they just added it but it keeps popping up you want to send text messages somewhere you yep, can yep, yep, yep. so we're what we're seeing is again this this huge expansion of all these different opportunities and things that are occurring with a concentration right and that now all of a sudden you can walk around with this thing the size of your cell phone and do all of these different things with it 
and uh, it's just going to revolutionize how we communicate. I really believe that. And all we need now is a USB port on it so that you can connect it to a printer so you can print stuff off. Yep, and all we need now is you plug in your plug in your content out there uh, and, and just get it out there and start. I mean, oh, I mean, this is something so, I mean, it's becoming almost like Twitter. I keep seeing it pop up in the last week, I cannot tell you, probably eight times. Just in regular daily life, you know, when you, it's, it's one thing when you see things pop up online, right? But when you see things pop up offline or, you know, on TV or whatever, right. uh, my news is now on a podcast. My regular daily news is on a podcast on iTunes. Oh, cool. Everybody. Everybody around here on TV, I cannot tell you, I think I've seen five times people, oh, listen to us not only on our show here on Channel 7, but also on iTunes. Just download our podcast if you miss us. All yep. the people are now shift all corporate. This is all corporate, high-end broadcasting systems are switching, doing podcasts because, great, okay, fine, you can get updates at Twitter, that's all great, but you can't get a whole newscast there. You could get a link or an update if you're following someone on Twitter that's giving you news. You can get a link to a podcast that takes you to a page to listen to it, or you can get it automatically on your iTunes. This tells me, it's like, not only now is like a blog mandatory, but I mean, you've got to have a podcast, and the podcast yep. is automatically that is a free promotional area for you to talk up your premium content that that you've loaded up onto iTunes. And That's I mean, right. I mean, it's a passive selling system in and of itself. You yeah. don't even have to have the website. You don't have to have uh, a copywriter writing copy for you. You don't have to worry about the HTML code. Get your stuff up. Get a my podcast, my po- my po- my podcastworld dot com account forward slash register forward slash register. You know, you should just have uh have a little link, you know, to register for a free account somewhere on the bottom there on the main page. I'll I'll get Soren to do that. Might as well. And. Yep. Get that account and start doing podcasts, even if it's just by yourself, 15 minutes, once a week, twice, uh, uh, once every week, once every two weeks. Come on. I mean, you don't, you, you can think about this stuff in just sitting down and a half an hour and then produce a nice quality 10, 15 minute, produce a nice outline, and then just go over, cover each of the details and what you want to get across. And of course, the value should come across as benefiting your listeners about whatever you're talking about, whether it be how to wax a car or how to shine, you know, how to how to wash your windows like a professional, uh, you know, window washer. Whatever it is you're talking That's right. about, you know, I wanted to give some sort of mundane, everyday things there to give people an understanding, you know. Okay, so yeah, you're gonna need a 16 foot, you know, 16 foot ladder and blah blah blah. And here's one of the methods that I use that really works. And what you want to do is use like a quarter cup of vinegar in there and blah, you know. And so 
you could do this. I mean, anyone can do this. Just getting on a mic, just uh, and every computer nowadays has a recorder. You can record a, an AVI, no problem. Is it AVI? No, a WAV, MP3, a wave. You can record a wave or an MP3, anything. Yep. Um, and that's your promotional tool. I mean, and um, if anything, if you even have a website um, about whether it's about you know, um, fighting depression or overcoming warts, whatever it may be. People are interested. They want to know about how they can take care of their condition. And sometimes warts don't go away that quick. So you can have listeners for months. You can recommend right. a, You can recommend affiliate products. Here's the other thing you could do is you could recommend affiliate products but I recommend, highly recommend, having a vanity URL. So if you're, you know, uh, you know, say you have a, I'm having a, a, a podcast show about, uh, and I'm interviewing some guy about uh, uh, this really, really quick, fast wart remover. And uh, uh, let's say I want to have my affiliate link go through a certain domain. Say I want to get, just say, superfastwartremover.com. So I go get that domain, and in the show, I just recommend, boom, you know, I have the guy on the show, we have an arrangement prior, we talk about that he's going to recommend, you know, where people can get more information about the product, and uh, he can just give out your, my domain that I registered for his for my affiliate account. He, he gives it out in there, he gets the exposure, and I get the commissions just for having him on the show. So he not only can still directly... Uh, your own products on your podcast, you can do affiliate marketing too. Absolutely, and that's a and that's a real key because these shows end up being evergreen shows. So you you know if you do a newsletter and you send it out on Monday, chances are by Friday everybody that's going to read it has read it, and everybody, regardless of whether they're going to read it or not, has deleted it. But with these shows, every time somebody signs up for or subscribes really to, to the show. If they like the first one, the latest one that you did, they will go back, and that's why titles are important. And they will say, oh, that looks interesting, that looks interesting. Actually, they all look interesting. They'll get them all, and they'll start listening to all of them. So it's right. it's kind of like, great, you went and uh, did a, uh, an affiliate call uh, for an affiliate product that you're recommending six months ago. You could be getting a check every month from that show because new people are finding you and listening to it and saying, oh, that sounds perfect, exactly what I need. I'm going to the superwartremover.com page and, and buy it. And you've just done it once, and it's working for you over and over and over again. It's like an autoresponder without having to write it. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it wrote itself when you did the show, right? You know what That's I mean? right. Well, you just have to talk it. And think, exactly. too, that with more and more of these like iPod touches and which are connected so that you're going to be getting your podcast directly downloaded onto the iPod Touch uh, or the iPhone. These are things that are very difficult for us to read, right? You, that's why right. Twitter is really popular because people can, you know, they read like one line. Okay, big deal, right? But if you're going to be reading like 300 words, which is a no, normal blog post, now all of a sudden how do you read that on that little itty-bitty screen? It's a lot easier for, you know, if you're doing blogging now, Read your blog post. There you go, right? And then that becomes your podcast. And then you say, by the way, you know, and you can even put, 
usually, uh, particularly with my podcast, where we did this deliberately, every episode has its own player, and you can have a player for all of the episodes that automatically updates, right? So you do your blog post, you read your blog post, you take that player that my podcast world does, you embed that code in, now all of a sudden you've got audio and uh, on a player on your blog post, which is really cool. And what does Google do? They love it. They love it when you've got audio or video because you could also do a video. You could just you get a <laughs> when the new iPod Touch comes out with the video, just turn the thing around and video yourself reading your blog post. But before you know, if you have a flip cam or any type of camera, you can take a video of yourself just talking about whatever it was you posted. Put that as a video podcast through my podcast world. Take that player, stick it on your blog, and Google loves video. They love audio. Because they, they say, hey, this is new, this is fresh, this is more value for our our searchers. That's what they're looking for. Yep. And now all of a sudden you become uh, more and more of an expert because your blog becomes more and more popular. Have you seen, by the way, on Google, over to the left-hand side, you can click a plus sign, and it gives you the ability to filter your results by the last 24 hours, the last week, the last month, the last year. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. In other words, they're okay, adding so more and more social networking type stuff all the time. Well, no, this is not social networking stuff. This is you type in a search. I look for Scott Patton, right? And say I want to look at all the comments people have made about you in over the net, right? Whatever. I'm going. You know, I type in Scott Patton with quotes around it. I get all these results with Scott Patton in Google on my search result page, but I want to narrow the results down and I'll click, I can see the results that Google has gotten in the last 24 hours that have been indexed about you. Wow, you didn't know that. Because because Google right now, right, whenever you do a search, it just displays all the results, right? You can't filter those results. You could filter them with a different search query, right? Like I could type in Scott Patton with quotes around it and put Canada to find all those sites with your name and Canada on them, right? But it Google just gave me all the results. That's all they gave me. But now I can see what has been added to the Google index in the last 24 hours. Wow. What search pages have been added in the last 24 hours, right? Yeah, I can look at what it, what is the most recent search result. What what are the results that I've seen about your name in the last week? Now that's pretty powerful, because then all of a sudden you're it's just like what you said. Google loves fresh and you, and now when people and I believe me when I saw this option the other day, I clicked on it and I was able to refine my results to see what web pages have been added to Google in the last 24 hours on my search. Powerful. That, that is. You, so that tells you how real time pretty much Google is within hours in updating their stuff. And they love fresh new content. They do. They do. It's uh, it's amazing. Oof, wow, you just blew my mind with that. I learned something on the call too. I'm just amazed. There you go. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, I mean, it adds a. I think 
um, you know, Google's up against the wall now with Bing coming out, and I think they kind of blew their mind, they blew Google's mind because they realized that Bing is doing a lot more processing now. I mean, like this one commercial uh, showed me how you can, uh, Bing will help you map out when you're looking for flights, it will help you map, map out when the best time is to buy the ticket. It will give you a graph, sort of. Like, you know, oh, don't buy it today, buy it next week, sort of thing. You know how that, you know how that always plays on your mind. You go, if, you, if you're not buying an a airplane ticket, uh, you, know, you know, if you're buying it well in advance, two months before you're going, well, should I wait until next week? Maybe the prices will come down. Well, Bing is actually making those decisions and actually giving you, like, this real live feedback rather than just giving you search results, right? Yeah. So I think Google's up against up there. They've got their back up against the wall to to really try and make their giving new tweaks because I don't think just real relevant results is all that matters now. People want stuff faster, quicker, more direct, right? That's right. And I think that's what Bing's doing. So. Anyways, we are approaching over the hour mark, so let me make sure we have no more extra questions on the line. Nope, refreshing and nothing there. <clears throat> and why don't we open up the line, see if there's any uh, live questions that anyone wants to submit. <coughs> All right, any live questions, just go ahead and give us your name and your question. I think we're all tapped out. Well, we've certainly covered a lot today, Jim. We did. Okay, so go ahead. You have my blessings to close out the show, Scott. All right. As long as I got your blessing, Jim. Well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us for this uh, in-depth, exciting episode, a session of iTunes Empowerments. We'll be back next month with another hour head over to the support desk put any questions that you've got in there we'll make sure to bring them up and answer them uh, in our next show and thanks for joining us everybody we'll see you next time head over to www.itunesexposed.com talk to you soon everybody bye bye